As many of us are confined all around the world, we wanted to provide you with a daily podcast in partnership with Radio Halara, emitting from Palestine. Our ambition for it is not to add to the saturation of information about the pandemic we are currently experiencing, but rather to propose a 15-minute extension of our political imaginaries every day. The concept is very simple. Every day we ask one person the same question. What is for you a moment of true decolonization? The answer can be a historical moment or something they witnessed, something heroic and grandiose or rather discreet and mundane, a durable blow to the structures of colonialism or a short instant of liberation. While we are recording this podcast in privileged conditions of confinement, we keep in our thoughts the multitude of people around the world who do not share similar conditions or have no choice but to risk being affected by the pandemic because of criminal policies that have to do with neoliberalism, carceralism or colonialism. We thank you for listening and wish you and your loved ones the very best wherever you are. Hi everyone, today is the 18th episode of uh, the Phenomenalist podcast in confinement, our daily series called uh, A Moment of True Decolonization. And I'm very happy that our guest is uh, Jessica Coco Hensel, uh, who is a writer, a musician, and a visual artist that uh, many of you know as Coco Solid. Uh, she's a Maori, Samoan, or German artist from Auckland in New Zealand, in Aotearoa. And um, she, uh, she started out making around zines and music, and sorry, zines and comics, and musically came up through underground punk and rap. And she, she went on to form groups uh, called Parallel Dance Ensemble, uh, Bad, Bad Energy, and nine-member rap collective Fanospa. Um, she also runs projects like uh, Queenie Control, uh, which is an online online hub for podcast music and club nights, and Equalize My Vocals, which is an amplifying creative woman, LGBTQI, and decolonizing, decolonizing voice in the Pacific. And she's also the first woman to direct and write an adult cartoon in New Zealand for network television with her show Aura A- Aroha Bridge, I'm sorry. She's part of Picky Films, a small group of Maori Pacifica screenwriters handpicked by filmmaker Taika Waititi. Uh, hello, Coco. Kia ora, hi. It's great to be talking to you. You're also, something I could have added is uh, you, all, you were also part of uh, our 24th issue of The Phenomenalist about futurisms. And uh, it's pretty great. We had, we had quite a few contributors to this issue uh, in this series, which I, I really love because I, I still love this issue. So thanks a lot for doing this and thanks a lot for your contribution uh, to, to the magazine. Oh, um, yeah, no problem. I'll talk about futurism. Pacifica futurism any old day yeah yes I think I think you wanted to reflect on the very notion of a decolonizing moment uh, didn't you and we can we can maybe talk about uh, Maori futurism uh, yeah yeah for that. sure <laughs> so you were you were telling me before we started recording you were telling me that the for you the very notion of decolonization was proper to the to also this notion of moment uh, did I get that right? yeah I think um when I'm posed the question, uh, you know, a moment of decolonization that I have experienced, for me, 
decolonization can only be momentary. In Aotearoa, in New Zealand, we're living under, you know, a dominant culture, a dominant psyche and a dominant worldview, which is the being a British colony, being under Commonwealth. And to me, I can liken that to being like a beautiful natural piece of wood um, lacquered with a very heavy varnish, you know. It's very shiny, but you can't breathe as you would were you able to grow on your own terms. And that's holistically, that's politically, and people can be like, oh, but, you know, you've been made into such a beautiful coffee table. <laughs> and my whole my whole reasoning... I, I use the word decolonization uh, in my in my practice in my ideology. Sure, you know, and it that's despite it being as a word. It suggests that um, a colonial extraction is possible, and I think that's quite puritan when you break it down. Um, the possibility that we can overwrite. We can overwrite that. We can overwrite this imperial history and its programming, which unfortunately we can't. <laughs> and white supremacy being hardwired into nationhood here means that um, we can't recolonize culture because there are too many opponents and variables, even internalized variables as well. Plus, like, that's a a binary mentality that I wouldn't want to adopt as an indigenous person anyway, because that's a colonial style, um, which I guess I find pretty uninteresting. <laughs> but for me, decolonization can be found every day in the ruptures. Do you know what I mean? Like it's when I'm given a chance when I can seize an opportunity to reword or reframe a hardwired Pakya notion, a white train of thought, basically. And if I can disrupt that, even if it's fleeting, even if it's a microaggression, even if it's, you know, like a big, grand, grandiose kind of situation, it doesn't really matter. Because it's always fleeting. It's always, like, elusive to me. And that's what happens when you're in the, um, I guess when you're in the racket of decolonizing, <laughs> you become a professional short-circuiter. You know, like, you are a saboteur of all that is conditioned and rehearsed by... Uh, your environment and that's that's how I approach the question like a moment of decolonization is my life story <laughs> it's like it's pretty much where we're born into a clusterfuck of moments of decolonization and um we're in the business of subversion and confrontation, whether we want to be or not. 
Like, we're constantly fucking with the synapses of... United Kingdom assumptions of what we as uh, noble, the noble savage should be and how we should act and how we should perform that. And the uprising, what that looks like to me as a Māori Pacifica woman is a shape-shifting dynamic that I have to negotiate every day with everybody I talk to. Um, and for me, it's inside decolonization. It's inside my behavior. It's inside my performances. It's hidden in my choices, the most subtle of alignments. And yeah, most of all my language especially the irony of how I choose to deploy the English language, which has been one of the most ironic weapons of choice that I could possibly have, you know, but it's very, it's been very effective. By the way, I think uh, a, a clusterfuck of, uh, of uh, moments of decolonization could have been the name of that series. <laughs> 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 uh, you tell us uh, you were sort of alluding to it right now like um, could you could you tell us how it informs your your musical work uh, this uh, this continuous effort yeah well the colonial influence here is very slick it's very insidious because it pushes this false agenda of grace and What that means is we are delicately forced into this false sense of manners and compliance and cooperation and control because it's, hey, it's the Kiwi way, you know? We're just so nice and earnest. And this is a muzzle and a trap and it is often a way that um the crown pushes their own short cultural shortcomings down our throats and so we internalize these things despite their relevancy to us so a great way to counteract that and respond to that is volume and high voltage and naming the thing and saying it out loud and repurposing bland renditions of things. And for me, that just so happened to be making it into lyrical content and then uh, hiding it inside the Trojan horse of pop culture, uh, which is what I do full time. <laughs> It's just hide my stuff inside cartoons and rap and you know literature it's the way I get it across the line pretty much and it's the way it lands in the hands of the people that I'm addressing often in a way that doesn't scare them in a way that makes them have to process it because they have to admit they're enjoying it
And uh, going back to this uh, notion of moment, um, the very the very title of the article that you were uh, super kind to write for us uh, was called Island Time, uh, South Pacific Futurism from a Contemporary Aotearoa Perspective. So we go back to this idea of time. I mean, the very notion of futurism, of course, uh, has the notion of time within within itself. But uh, can I can I continue to maybe push you a little bit on on this notion about uh, how uh, the the decolonial the decolonial is contained in time, even though shortly or in a more longer way, but and and perhaps in the present, but also in the future. Uh, can can you maybe tell us more about this? Mm. And that that could be by telling us a little bit what this article was about for people who haven't had the chance to to read it. We we sold out, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> sold out, baby. Yeah. yeah. I um. Yeah, I think uh, futurism is a good gateway drug to address the question: What is time really? And by that question you're asking what is a moment and yeah a life is a moment and this is how I'm I'm viewing time at the moment especially as it's getting very distorted our day-to-day dealings all of us in uh, quarantine um time is bending and stretching and doing a lot of awkward things with people's self-perceptions and psychology, which I think is fantastic because uh, people are almost having to fathom island time styles, whether they want to or not. Um, (laughs) And they are having to address their uh, Gregorian relationship with it, which is white you know, and they're having to evaluate their dealings on, I think, a far less performative level and take things as they come and understand that um, the industrial complex of time, um, it's, it's being humiliated at the moment. And um, I think for somebody who really enjoys a Pacifica clock, you know, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, just like go with the kind of natural unfurlings of things and you're unable to differentiate past, present and future. Those things are blending together and that is a huge component of what I'm culturally... That's how I see things all the time. Those uh, tenses are always in conversation with each other and antagonising each other. And I feel like this kind of... People are getting it, basically, at the moment. And I think that that's a tip-off, that we're in a very special time 
because you sound crazy when you're talking about this outside of people's actually lived daily experiences. People are going yada yada, yeah, she's talking about that that trippy relationship with time again, but now everybody seems to be able to wrap their head around it, which I think is great. Now it's a, I, I wish we had this conversation earlier in the series as well because I I I realize that taking the notion of moment was very intuitive and and did not uh, was not the result of a very sort of long thought process in any way, um, uh, and you know given my own sensitivity as an architect and the the sensitivity of the phenomenalist uh, at large, uh, it would have been it would have been much more sensical that we we choose to do a space of decolonization instead of moment of decolonization but for some reason the moment uh, really was much more intuitive to be fair some people that does resonate with um to be fair some people do look at uh this process as an action it can actually be gridded. It's a fixed experience in which they can actually remember. Me, myself, I feel like it is... It's like a baseline under everything I do. So it's hard to isolate an incident where I was able to destabilise uh, the colonial shit that I'm forced to internalize because I that is almost like something that I actively choose to do every day uh, me and a lot of people in my community we have um yeah and it might sound far-fetched to a lot of people but that is very much a kaupapa that is the that is almost like the promise and um, it is it is hard to choose a moment when that is your life work. Yeah. Great. <laughs> well, so that was that was another episode of a clusterfuck of moments of decolonization <laughs> 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 with Jessica Coco Hensel. Uh, thank you so much, Coco, for uh, for taking the t- time for taking the time to do this. And uh, I, as much as I said that the, the issue on futurism was sold out, it's obviously uh, available in its online and digital version. So I really invite everyone to go read your incredible text for it uh, that dialogues so well with all the others as well. So uh, and yeah, and then I'm sending you some warm wishes from old Europe to to our terra and uh, take good care. Keep safe. That's all for today. Find us tomorrow again for a new episode as part of this daily podcast series. And if you're a subscriber to The Phenomenalist, remember that you have access to every single article we published in the past in their online version on our website. Thank you very much and take care.